0: everyone i'm joe and i just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for listening to our Lincoln e-free podcast we are grateful for your support to shine the light of christ in every home and business in the lincoln lakes area and beyond in case you're not aware we have a youtube channel which you can find the link in our bio we hope you enjoy this week's message and encourages you and helps you to become the light that god designed you to be with that let's jump in I was. I was about four years old, and I am looking down at a bumblebee that has just died on the floor of our sliding glass door. And I thought to myself, oh, it looks so fuzzy. That was my last thought as I reached out to touch the fuzzy little butt of the bumblebee and that day I was introduced to a bee sting (laughs) and on that day I was tempted by the thought of what was I thought was harmless but instead caused great pain today we're going to be continuing our series in Luke and we're going to look at the temptation of Jesus You see, we've all experienced a time in our life when we've been enticed towards doing something that eventually caused us great pain. Sometimes it's the allurement of a fuzzy butt of a bumblebee. While other times it's the draw to drink one beer with a friend. That landslides into quite a few more. And here lies the issue We are all inclined to be tempted and to satisfy what feels good to us. And the primary problem is that we're broken people. We have problems. We have issues. We're not all perfect. We have addictions. We have behaviors that don't match up to God's perfection. We're inclined to sin. I mean, there's certain things that we are specifically inclined towards. For some of us, it's alcohol. Some of us, we really struggle with pornography. While others, it's money or fame. See, everyone has a little bit stronger inclination to one thing or the other. But the truth is that we're all inclined to sin. And we need help. We need to get out. We feel like the water balloon stuck in the jar. We need a way of escape. I mean, that's why we have AA clubs popping up, counseling clinics, and rehab centers that are trying to provide people with their pro- help with their problems and addictions. But it's not enough, it helps a little. And the solution isn't just to try harder or find accountability or surround yourself with more supportive and positive people. You see, at the core of this issue is sin and temptation is a spiritual heart condition. It corrupts our heart. We need a new heart. And we need help from someone who has gone through what we have and overcome it without giving in. That's why we're turning to Luke 4 today. To observe a man who did just that. Jesus, fully God, fully man, overcame what humanity succumbed to. So that when we are tempted, we are not alone and we are not without help. So in this story, we're going to flesh out four takeaways. The first one is that we have a hope and a comfort because Jesus did what we could not And we are satisfied when we are saturated with God's word. And when we worship God alone, it disengages us from the thirst of power. And finally, it's better to trust God than to test him. So I want you guys, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Luke 4. And let's unpack this this story that we find here. So what I would like to do is, I'm going to read the whole thing and then I'm going to break it into four chunks, and we're going to look at it together. Starting in verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, To you, I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be all yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written. It is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So let's look at this first chunk here of Luke, of the first uh, two, two verses here. Here we have Jesus filled with the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. Just prior to this, Jesus has grown up in wisdom and stature. He's in his 20s, and now he's reaching, he's 30, and he is baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. At this moment, Jesus is affirmed and assured of his identity as the son of God. He hears his father in heaven saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now, I just have to like dive into the story in my brain and just wonder, at this point, Jesus Knew he was the Messiah. We don't know how. He probably heard it from his mom and dad of the miraculous birth and that God has been, and uh, God has been, chose him to be the Messiah. But I'm not sure at this point if he actually heard the father, his dad, say his identity. And in this moment, he is assured. That he is the son of God. And he is affirmed that God's thoughts for him is that he is loved and he is well pleased. Some of us today are stuck where we are. Because we have never been spoken our true identity. We may not have heard words like I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm pleased with you from, my, from your parents, mom or dad. Or really just haven't heard it enough. And some of us are stuck because we don't know who we are. We don't have the Father speaking those words to us. But once we hear those words, the moment that we said yes to Jesus, to some various of degree... All of us heard those words. You are loved, and I'm pleased with you. The tension here that I see is that Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Why? I mean, I, I would think if you are filled with the Spirit of God and led by the Spirit, it would lead us to verses 14 and 15, where he is empowered and he is teaching, and he is glorified by all. so it bothers me that the wilderness lies in between being full of the Holy Spirit and being empowered by the Spirit. All of us have had some some sort of wilderness experience, some type of tragedy or Personal struggle that has cast us into a metaphorical wilderness where we are alone and we are stuck without the resources or stuck in sadness. So it just a little bit bothers me of why the wilderness is there. <laughs> but Jesus is led into the wilderness for the sake of overcoming what humanity succumbed to. That is sin. See, Adam and Eve were deceived and and caved into sin when they were tempted by the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Israel was in the wilderness and failed to remain obedient, constantly sneaking in little idols here and there and worshiping. Jesus had to go to the wilderness to fulfill. And to overcome what humanity could not if he was truly going to take our place on the cross. He had to do what we could not. And that was to overcome temptation. And this reality brings so much hope and, and comfort because Jesus did what we couldn't. Jesus willingly accepts this in order to fulfill God's purposes for his life. And Jesus is led into the wilderness, but not only that, he's tempted. I mean, this is another area. Like, I I read this, and there's things in my spirit that I get bothered by. Because how could God, Jesus, who is fully man and fully God, be tempted? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. But I thought about it a lot this week. And I don't really have a great answer. I mean, isn't he God? As God, he cannot sin. That's a truth. He cannot. But to be tempted infers that he could be inclined to cave. Surely the devil would have known if Jesus could have been tempted. Otherwise, he would have, not, he would have tried. He would be wasting his time if he knew that Jesus could not cave, that he couldn't sin. So I just wrestle, I'm just i wrestling with this. It bothers me. So though Jesus is fully God and yet fully man, he still had a choice as a human. Maybe that's not the best word, but he, he was able to be tempted. But what bothers me also is the same thing that comforts me. You see, because this he, he knows what it feels like. He knows what you guys go through, and myself as well, of when we are tempted. He knows the urge to succumb to the selfish desires that we feel. He knows my struggle. Hebrews four fifteen says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Here is someone who has gone through the struggle. The struggle of every temptation known to man and has overcome it, overcome it all. I mean, that is someone I want to model my life after. That is someone worth following. Let's look at now verses 3 and 4. The devil throws his first temptation at Jesus. And I'm going to just call this the temptation of provision. And he's playing off of Jesus' physical hunger here. He's hungry. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. He's got to be very hungry. And the, 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 kind of the, the tension again here is Jesus is very hungry, but he has the means and the power to satisfy his hunger at any point because he's God. <clears throat> have you ever found yourself looking at what you have and thinking that it's not enough? I mean, the world pushes this lie that you need more. More to be happier, or you need it better, or you deserve the best. I mean, just listen to these slogos. Burger King, we know it. Have it your way. Gillette, the best a man can get. If you don't have Gillette, you're not the best. Or Lay's Chips, bet you can't just eat one. Social media has just amplified this opening um, of our network of friends who we connect with, and it nearly becomes infinite these days of how many people you can connect with. And we're constantly comparing ourselves to one another, hearing each other's thoughts on social media, and we draw this conclusion that we're not enough, or I don't have enough, I'm not provided for. I have to have more. But social media here isn't the problem. Let me get that straight. It's not the problem. It's just amplifying already the nature of the human heart. We're prone to compare ourselves, to want more, not satisfied. That's a hard issue. That's not on social media. That's just amplifying what's already there. As humans, we're insecure. We need someone to tell us what we need. The problem is that we're going to other people and other places that, that have the same insecurity as us and trying to have them tell us what we need. It's hard, hardwired in our brain. It's hardwired in our brain to be told what we need. But the only response that's ever going to satisfy us is that of our creator who made us and knows what we need and knows how to provide for us. You see, in the fall, humanity listened to the lie and the voice of the devil. This sly serpent convinced Adam and Eve... That what they were given by God, this paradise, was not enough. That you could have more. So they were tempted and they took what they thought they needed rather than let God provide for their every need. Thus, the stain of sin is upon every human being that is born. It has been marked. We all carry that heart condition. What I want us to take away from this chunk of passage is that we're satisfied when we are saturated with God's word. Jesus quotes in response to this temptation, Deuteronomy 8.3. Man shall not live on bread alone. That's where Luke stops, but the verse continues in Deuteronomy saying, But by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Like a second Adam, Jesus overcame the temptation of provision by taking God at his word. Though Jesus could turn any rock or a piece of dust into bread, he doesn't. When he was in the wilderness, he was fasting. Okay, Fasting is really denying your body of food to tell your soul what it's satisfied by. He is hungry, but he knows what ultimately sustains him and satisfies them. And that's God's word. Jesus did what Adam wasn't able to do. In temptation number one, Jesus passed. Now let's look at five through eight. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment time. And he said to him, To you I will give all authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. Then, if you then will worship me, all will be yours. So now the devil tempts him with, I will say, the temptation of power. The devil just shows him supernaturally all the kingdoms in the world that he claims as his you see back in the Bible times most every Jew believed that the world was controlled by the demons or the dark forces of nature and here we have a picture of this reality that some mysterious way the devil has some kingdoms that are his and he has the authority to give it over And he offers all the kingdoms to Jesus. But with one condition Jesus, you need to worship me. See, Jesus knew that he was promised a kingdom by God. And with that glory, right now, it wasn't a reality but the devil has so many in his control that could be Jesus's you know thanks to technology right now we are living in a time unlike any seen in human history where the potential to grow an audience and a platform is fully accessible yesterday it was all about climbing the social or the corporate ladder today we've hacked the system we found a way to get our voices to millions of people through social media. YouTubers and other social media influencers have pioneered the way of creating a massive audience and a global platform, while all at the same time getting paid for it. And the world has caught on of this nature. Attention is the new commodity. If we can, if I can just hold your attention long enough, you'll likely be able to listen to what I'm saying or selling you. And if I build a larger audience, therefore, I can become more successful and more influence. But the draw to be heard and seen has propelled users, even myself, to build such platforms and audiences that... People can hear their voice. There is a draw in the human spirit to be heard, to be seen, to have an audience, to have a platform, to have power. And that human craving stems from a misplaced worship. The worship of self corrupts our hearts. We idolize our image. Some of us men don't have to worry about that because maybe we're not so good looking. We don't have to worry about our image, right? But we sometimes idolize what we have to say or, or we think what we we're saying is right and it, that's a right to be heard. We're selfish. We think of our own needs over others. Humanity was tempted with obtaining power to be their own image of worship you see in the wilderness like i mentioned earlier god was calling them to worship him alone he was doing miraculous things before generations and yet there were people when they invaded different nations there were people that were looting people's houses and stealing little icons and images and little statues and placing them in their tents and they're praying and worshipping to these things They failed the test to worship God alone. Within each human heart is the desire to worship, to worship something. It was placed there by God, but because of the fallout in Genesis 3, mankind has continued to worship themselves or something else. They were trying to find something to worship. Rather than worship the creator who designed them and who was designed for their worship. When we worship God alone, it disengages us from the thirst of power. Jesus, in response to the devil, quotes Deuteronomy 6.13. If you notice, Jesus is quoting scripture, a specific scripture from the wilderness experience of Israel. Jesus says, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. Jesus is reliving Israel's wilderness experience to overcome the temptation of power and self-worship by worshiping God alone. He knows where his adoration is placed. He knows where his worship is directed towards and therefore, temptation number two is past. <clears throat> Let's move down to verse 19 through 15 and finish. Here we have the devil trying one final attempt to get Jesus to cave. To get him to crack. And he tries this by what I'll call the temptation of proof. And the internal struggle here that I imagine is happening in Jesus is that Jesus could prove right now that he is the Messiah, that he is God, if he follows what the devil says, because the truth is, if he does throw himself off the temple, the angels will catch him, he will not be hurt, everyone of importance that's in the temple will see it, And they'll make the connection. So the internal struggle is, he could show himself as God in his timing right now. Or he could wait till God's timing. Have you ever found yourself wanting to know if God's real? I'm sure maybe ebbed and flowed throughout your lifetime? Usually that question pops up when there's a real struggle within relationships, with finances. You just want to know if God is real, if what Jesus really said is true. But have you ever noticed when you're making a big change in your life, or you're contemplating Two different directions and you ask God can you just show me the way can you tell me which way to go and in my experience often the answer is it's like God goes mute he's silent and you want to just like God just tell me show me In the same way, when we want to know if God's real, when someone is sick and want to pray for healing, it doesn't happen. That hurts. But we want to know that God is real, and, he, and, he, and it's true whatever he says. We all wrestle with this. Some, some of us maybe have gone to extreme lengths to see if he really loves you. So you run from him to see if he'll really go after you. You're, like you're trying to prove that I am the worst type of sinner. God could not love or love me. And so you run, just to see if he'll actually run after you. You see, all Jesus had in his time in the wilderness was the confirmation of the father's voice this is my son whom i love with him i am well pleased he just had a word that his father loved him he saw the display of the the holy spirit coming down i'm sure there was a desire to see more proof And to prove to everyone else who didn't believe him that he was God. But all Jesus had was a word. And often we find ourselves in the same place. Sometimes miracles do not happen. And all we have is a word. We have God's word. That's all we have, oftentimes. And that requires a lot of trust, a lot of faith to say, hey, Jesus said, man shall not live on bread alone, but from every word from the mouth of the Lord. I mean, try to live that out. That's hard when you've never really seen it happen except in writing or in someone speaking it. All Jesus had a word. It would be nice to have a little more than that, but all he had was a word. And that word was enough, it sustained him. See, it's better to trust God than try to test Him. Jesus quotes again from Deuteronomy 6:16. 6, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. you shall not put the Lord your God to the test and immediately the devil knew he lost it says that and when the devil had ended every temptation he departed from him until an opportune moment and Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee and a report about him when and a report went out through all the surrounding country And he taught in the synagogue, being glorified by all. Here Jesus overcame what humanity couldn't. So that when we are tempted, we know we have help and we're not alone. We find comfort that we have someone to look and to follow after who experienced the same struggle as us. This morning we... We looked at this story and we learned that we have hope and comfort because Jesus did what we couldn't and that we're satisfied when we are saturated with God's word. When we worship God alone, it disengages us with the, for the thirst of power and knowing that it's far better to trust God than to test him. So whether it's bumblebee butts or something else, when you are tempted next, is not a matter of if, but when. The comfort, though, is that God provides a way out. Word and worship. I want you guys to just ask these two questions. How often do I frequent the word? Meaning, how often am I reading the Bible? How often am I saturated in God's word? So when a time of urgency comes, whether it's a death or something pops up spontaneously where you need to recall God's word, a temptation comes, that you have it in your heart, abiding in you. And then second question is, what direction is your worship aimed at? God has designed us to worship and everyone worships something. It's the question is who do you worship? So with those two questions, I challenge you guys to name the temptation in your life that has found a hold on you. What's the one or two things that you are most easily tempted into? Challenge you to name that. Get honest with yourself. If you need to write it down, do it. And then with that temptation, search the scripture to find a passage that you can anchor in so when that temptation comes, you can recall and find that way of escape through God's word. Just remember, when we are tempted, we are not alone alone. And we are not without help. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you're interested in learning more about Lincoln E-Free Church here in the Lincoln Lakes area, you can go check out our website, lincolnefree.org, and you can give us a follow on Facebook. Have a great week.